this for history. The sisters are going to win gold together. The Olympic champions, world champions, world record holders. They defend their title and they break the world record. Well done, Australia. Two gold medals on the opening night. The winner is Sydney. Australia has won the gold medal in the women's sevens rugby. Yes, she did get it. I was right. Pearson is the Olympic champion. What do you think we come here for? Silver? Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. What a legend. What a champion. Yes, and welcome to the very first episode of the Sitting on Our Rings podcast. I am your host, Brendan. I am joined by my co-host, Trent. Say hello, Trent. Hello, Trent. <laughs> See, you've already got the gags down, Pat, so this podcasting thing is going to come mm-hmm. easy to you. Um, look, this is our first episode. As I said, we are two armchair athletes who are not physical whatsoever mm-hmm. when it comes to sporting events, but we we sort of take the games in the best way that we can, which mm. is sitting on our rings. Exactly. <laughs> on the you, couch. I always say, if you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. Exactly, exactly. So... This, this podcast is um, something I thought up a couple of weeks ago and I've been listening to a few Olympic podcasts and I just sort of thought, it, because Trent and I, we, um, when Rio was on, we both took two weeks off work and, and uh, you know, we were essentially living at each other's places and, and just watching the games constantly and I had the idea of, what, well, it'd be fun during Tokyo to, to maybe do like a daily podcast, like a wrap up of, you know, the day's events and, and put mm. a bit of a spin on it or whatever. Uh, and then I thought, well, that's only two weeks and it's, you know, we're in sort of, we're in under a year now mm. leading mm. up to it. Maybe we could do like a lead up show to Tokyo. But then I'm like, well, there's already a few of them. It's like, let's just, let's just do our own Olympic podcast mm. because it's something that we're both really interested in. We both love it. You've been to a few Olympics. Mm. Um, I haven't yet. It's a bucket list thing. I've been to a Com Games, but we'll, we'll get to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, just just two of us sitting down on our rings <laughs> um, and talking talking Olympics, just sort of covering things that happen in the lead up to Tokyo, just general Olympic topics as well. Mm. Just generally dive into stuff that mm. we we love to talk about and that we kind of talk about anyway. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, I don't think uh, anyone else likes to talk sport or Olympics with us, so we may as well just talk it to each other. Exactly. And maybe it, some people will listen to it and enjoy it. And, and that's the thing, all going their, well because yeah. podcasting it it does you do find like-minded people like if, mm. the, if you're interested in something there's a podcast for it i can guarantee it yeah um i mean i people you know who don't know me um i've been podcasting for years i have my own pop culture podcast it's called the nightlight so that's been going since 2015 um i do a lot of podcasting with holy batcast um so like pop culture is my is my thing but so is sport. Like, I, I love the Olympic Games. Like, the big world sporting events I love. I, I love other sport as well. Um, but, but the Olympics, they're just, they're just that sort of event. They're special. And, you know, because yeah. they only come around every four years. And, That's right. And you and I go. <laughs> <laughs> we go hardcore on, on the Olympics. So, 
this first episode, I thought it'd just be a nice intro to, you know, to the listeners to see who we are, um, our uh, Olympic credentials, <laughs> <laughs> if you will. Uh, not that they'd get us into an athlete's village or anything. Probably not. No, but, uh, you know, just our, our love for the Games, where it started for us and, you know, our, our top three Olympic mo- well, Olympic medal moments and everything. Mm. I thought we'd, we'd just dive into and make this a nice... Nice breezy mm. first episode. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, I could probably do top 30, but uh, <laughs> I guess we have to start with I pr- three. I probably could as well, but it actually, to be honest, it was a bit of a struggle thinking of mm. the third. Like, my top two are oh, like, you really? know, they, they're set in concrete. Mm. But the yes, third one... I think I know what they are. Yeah, the third one could be could be a number of them, really. Mm. Like, mm. it's sort of one of those things, if you ask me on a certain day, my, my answer might change. Mm. Well, three was very hard for me too because I've been watching Olympics for a very long time. And <laughs> well, let's 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 start there. So, you're a little bit older than me. I'm th- I'm mm. 35. Mm. You're <clears throat> we <were> yes <laughs> about that about <clears throat> two. <coughs> um, and then so you've got a few years on me in terms of watching the game. Mm. So I was born in '84. Mm. So my mum has told me because of the time difference, and I was born on the first of Feb. Um, with the time difference and everything because I was only a couple of months old when the LA games were on, mm. she'd be sitting up all hours of the night because I was mm. two months prem too, mm. so I was a sick mm. baby. Um, that she'd sit up with me at all hours of the night feeding, looking after me and stuff mm. and she'd have the Olympics on and she'd be like holding me up going, look, you know, look, the Aussies mm. won this and, mm. Mm. you know, and, and that not that I can remember no, it, obviously. No. Um, <clears throat> I, can, I can vaguely remember um, Seoul. Mm. I can remember that Duncan Armstrong became a household name mm. here in Australia. I can, and I can vaguely stuff the silver. We've come here to <coughs> with, with Laurie Lawrence, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why I put that in the mm-hmm. in the opening titles yes. because it. I can still remember seeing that on TV. Whether it happened live, probably wasn't the live mm. event, but I remember seeing it and Duncan Armstrong being a, a, a famous swimmer. Mm. That's all mm. I can really mm. remember of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I take away from that too, which I remember is when Debbie Flintoff King won the 400 meter hurdles, mm-hmm. like, and just by the closest of margins and the excitement and the anticipation, did she win? Did she not win? And then, uh, Bruce the, McAvaney. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And then, uh, the photo finish came through and she did. And what a huge achievement that was because, you know, it, in that particular, in the eighties, it was very rare for Australia to get any kind of athletics medals, mm. especially a gold. So, and, you know, in an event like the 400 metre hurdles as well. I mean, it was rare for us to get that many gold medals anyway, mm, mm. which is, I'm sure, something we'll touch on in, in a future episode. But, you know, the criticism that some of these athletes have got in the last two Olympic Games and, you know, mm. <laughs> there's well, stories, but we know, won't... It, all the, you know, the, all the armchair people who sit there and criticise, well, you know, I just say, you know, how many Olympic gold medals do you have? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like what an achievement it is to be there Just to, to be represent your company. You know, if you get into a final, that's even better. But if you don't get a medal, you know, you've tried your hardest. And it's just the excitement of watching athletes a- achieve. Mm. What the hell? I, I certainly can't do it. That's why no. I'm an armchair. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Exactly. And what did Dukubatan say? It's, you know, it's not the winning, but the taking part. That's So, right. you know, that then that's how I see it. But, yeah, I, but Barcelona mm. is where I can really remember because I was eight, mm. um, the Olympics being a thing. Mm. Um, I remember it was a Sunday morning in Australia with the time difference. It was must have been really early one Sunday morning. Mm. And I went into mum and dad's bedroom and, and climbed into bed, as you do when you're a kid. 
and they were both asleep, but the TV was on and it was probably the last maybe half an hour of the opening ceremony. So I remember seeing the Flaming Arrow mm, mm. live yep. and just going, wow. Mm, mm. And ever since then, sort of being slightly obsessed with the Olympic torch mm. and the mm. Olympic flame, just as much as I am the games overall, I, I yeah. love the torch and the I flame. I know you are a very big uh, flame torch relay. Yeah, I love it. But And then, of course, obviously with Barcelona came, you know, Kieran Perkins. Yes. And, and things like that. So it was... That and I remember it being, and we had to, I think we had to do a project at school mm. on the Olympics. And mum, mum got me these. Um, See, now that proves how that little bit old I am because my first Olympic project was when I was in grade six for the Seoul Games. <laughs> and we had to make a scrapbook, so I was always making mum and dad go up to the shop to get me the paper, the paper. so I could cut it out the <laughs> next day and print, cut out all the pictures and then create a scrapbook and then. I think the good thing was, though, is that it was in our time zone. So, mm-hmm. during the day of an afternoon, we'd get through our show of schoolwork and then we were allowed to wheel the TV into the into the classroom and we could sit yeah. and watch the Olympics, you know, not knowing what was on, but, you know, we were lucky it was in our time zone. And, of course, that mm. was the last one until we got Sydney. So, I kind of do remember that. I and, mean, you know, the excitement of making my scrapbook. And I'm sure that there was, like, you know, prizes for the best scrapbook. And I'm sure I... Got either gold, silver, or bronze. I was going to say it better because have been I was gold, silver, or bronze. I, yeah. it was, I was excited by it, and of course, like <laughs> I wanted to have the best one. But I think, see, that's my school yeah. project memories. So. I can't remember what the project was. I remember Mum ordering these, um, like from a stamp collecting place, um, this special little book with like Olympic stamps in it. I, I don't think they were genuine stamps. I think they may have been like reprints mm, and stuff. Mm. But but there was some at the very end. There was like three Barcelona stamps because it was the year of those games and. But as much as I remember that as well, the the one that that really brought me into these these big worldwide sporting events really was the '94 Commonwealth Games mm. in Victoria, Victoria in yeah. Canada. I we we watched the opening ceremony in my school library. Um, it was the first weekend of the games because the opening ceremony was on the Friday during the day our time. Mm. And that weekend was my brother's christening. So, and I remember going to the church for the christening, coming home, and while the like the party gathering mm. thing was on out the back, I was inside watching the Victoria Games. Mm. Um, and I, they were the first games that I really followed. Mm. And I had the lift out from the Courier Mail, you know, that came out before the games, and I was writing down all the medalists mm-hmm. and. <laughs> You know, watching Kathy run, and and that was where the, she first carried the the well, Australian and Aboriginal flags, right, and that yeah. being a big thing. And then Arthur Tunstall, like I remember, I just remember those games so clearly, and that mm. was the first big one that I followed. And then obviously, Atlanta mm. two mm. years later, and then mm. all bets are off when it mm. when it came to Sydney. That's but, right. Uh, yeah. And and Sydney was where I I changed from being a fan to being obsessed. Mm. That I mean, I was 16. I, I didn't get to go to the Sydney Olympics. Um, well, I lived at the time in Toowoomba, which is mm. about 90 minutes out of Brisbane, where we both live mm. now. Mm. <coughs> 2032. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll come to that. Mm. Uh, and then, I, it, I mean, the thing with Sydney, I mean, I know you went, and, mm. and we'll talk about mm. that in mm. a second, mm. but mm. It, it really was a case of, it wasn't just Sydney's games. Mm. It was Australia's games. That's like. Right. The whole country, no matter where you were, yep. you were part of it. Yeah, like it was, 
It was for everyone. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, so, and I mean, I just, school holidays at the time, mm-hmm. I mean, I sat in mm. front of the television mm. every day. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. The dream with Roy and HG that's and that right. sort of stuff became obsessed with that. And well, then that's right, yeah. after the games, I bought all the videos and they were still videos back mm, then. <laughs> I still got my videos. <laughs> I bought all the videos and just, <sighs> yeah. I think most of 2001 as well, like I would just watch those videos over and mm. over and over. And it was such a special time, mm. um, you know, even though I wasn't in the city. So, Mm. And then everything's just carried well, on. There's there. nothing like popping on 16 days in September, is no, there? <laughs> <laughs> no. Which I actually put on. I put on the 16 days in September DVD was it last week or the week before. Um, when I was sort of creating think, the website and, and stuff I think for this. True Olympic fans will know what we're talking about. So 16 Aussie, days in September. The Aussie Olympic fans will know yeah. what, we're, what yeah, we're talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, I had that on while I was making mm. the website and stuff mm, for the mm, podcast, mm, and mm. and had all the. You know the Aussie highlights from mm. Sydney playing, mm. Mm. but Trent, tell us, tell us, sort of, you know, your earliest memories. I know we've talked about your project and stuff, mm. but where did it all start for you, and where did it, the mm. love, really kick into overdrive? Mm. Well, yeah, apart from doing the project, I mean, of course, I was in grade six, so it's kind of just you know a fun school project. But um, I think I've like like you probably have a little extra clearer memories of of Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, mum and dad kind of like the olympics and they loved more so than watching the sport is the opening and closing ceremonies so yep. they made us get up early whatever to come out to the tv room to watch the opening ceremony for barcelona so i remember that and going oh this could be something fun to yeah. see what comes after these opening ceremonies um but you know unfortunately not being in our time zone you don't get to see it live you know you get the replays so racing home from school doing my homework quickly and then jumping in front of the TV. Mm. No home and away for those two weeks because <laughs> it was like what just watching the replays yeah. on TV. And that, that's something I'll quickly jump in that like people, you know, if people in the Northern Hemisphere that might listen to this, you guys have it really lucky when it comes to Olympics yes, and absolutely. stuff because they're in your time zone for us. You know, following along with an Olympics, if you want to see stuff live, it, it is sitting up. Mm night and night and night you know well that's sleeping you know, during the day that's right that's what it had with london and rio i sleep during the day mm-hmm. and watch yeah and watch it all during the night yeah so yeah you guys have got it pretty pretty easy so well that's why we're excited about tokyo because it's only two hours difference that's right. so that's which right. is going to be good but yeah that's right yeah because we weren't really didn't really know each other during beijing no, well, well, I'm I haven't sure even moved to Brisbane in Beijing. No, of it, course, and otherwise yeah. I'm sure we would have been uh, living in each other's houses for those two <laughs> weeks as well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah. So going back to that, so I remember Barcelona, then of course um, getting into the sport, watching it, and then remembering the closing ceremony. And of course that's where, for me, what I think too is probably where, you know, Olympic theme songs really came to life. Speaking of that. Paris Siempre. And there goes Paris Siempre, Friends for Life. And, you know, thinking back on that, that's probably, you know, uh, I think that song ended up being number one in Australia for like three weeks or something after that closing ceremony. That was a big song. And that kind of, I think, uh, the film clip showing the memories of the the Barcelona Olympics and then also um, being able to listen to that song would make me mm-hmm. think of all this, watching all the sport and just enjoying the Olympic, you know, buying the, putting on the cassette single and listening to it over and <laughs> over again. We're really showing our age. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like... Cassette kids, they were like um, MP3 players at 
that's right. That you put in your car. And <laughs> yeah, that's when, yeah, that's right. We'd sit next to the radio and wait for it to come on to hit the record button to yep. record your favourite song. <laughs> you couldn't just listen on your phone. Yeah. Because we didn't have them. No, that's right. <laughs> it's you funny, know. actually, you mentioned the songs because I haven't discussed this with you yet. <laughs> but I had an idea for a future episode, mm-hmm. but, you, you know, our favourite Olympic songs. Okay, all right. Well, so I, won't, I won't say any more <laughs> about that then because that would be a great topic because yeah. there's lots of Olympic songs we can talk about and we all have our favourites. Mm, like official and unofficial Olympic songs yes. as well. Yeah, you've got to have the unofficial ones in yeah. there as well. Um, and so, like, being that, then it made me kind of like going, what's all this Olympic stuff about? Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that, you know, just the excitement of sport, you know, who's going to come first, who's going to come second, who's going to come third, what, how's Australia going to go? Mm. Um, and then I researched, you know, going and then, like, going, oh, what's the next city that's in it's in, in Atlanta? So, um, you know, researching all about Atlanta and America and, like, you know, mm. how, how it's going to go there. And then I think I really got into it during Atlanta, of course, it, you know, it wasn't yeah. live. And uh, 96, so I had finished high school by then. I was in my last year of primary. Yeah, and doing my tertiary education. So I could kind of get to watch the replays during the day and mm. sit up for a little bit at night. But, you know, I don't think I had a TV in my room. I back think then, so I had to watch it out in the TV room. <laughs> I think in Australia too, um, 92 and 93, we had the one-two punch of the Barcelona games and then, obviously, something else that was in the opening music is the words, the winner is Sydney. Yeah. And that that put the Olympics, I think, in the forefront of everyone's mind for the next seven years. Mm, mm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, all of a sudden, it was like, it, shit, it's coming. It's coming mm, here. Mm, you know. That's right. You know, and oh, you know, obviously, Melbourne, 56 was the last time it was here, but the Olympics were completely different mm-hmm. now as to what they were back then as well with all lots of different sports, new events. Um, we, we were alive. <laughs> yes, exactly. My parents got to remember 56s, yeah. but not us. Yeah, my dad was six years old when 56 was on. So, so we can just read and read about it in all our Olympic yeah. books. Because, you know, I collect Olympic books as I well. I Sca- Always scouring secondhand bookstores and flea markets to try and find those little gems. Well, like, again, sort of tied back into Sydney 2000, I really learned about the Melbourne Olympics because they released a lot of the old Olympic films over here. That's right. For Sydney. And I bought the Melbourne one. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of... what And it was one of those two-video mm. packs. The, two, everything the was double in, packs. Everything yep. was in, on two videos because it was too big to fit on that's one. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, and that's how I really learned about the Melbourne Games was mm. through watching that. And obviously, mm. I've upgraded all of them to DVD. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> over the years. But, yeah, that, that was a big one as well. Yeah. That's certainly, that was, yeah, when the, the Olympics came to Australia, then, of course, after Atlanta, getting the next one to hit the mm. world was in Sydney in 2000. Which, <laughs> you, you lucky prick. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You, you were lucky <laughs> enough to go to. So, yep. and that was your first time attending. So, what was mm. what was that like? Well, I think I remember we got tickets for a few different things and we, it was a... S- was it a Monday or a Tuesday, I think, um, the second week we went for. The mm-hmm. first week I got to watch um, when I was at, while I was at work. I remember at work I had a little radio next to my desk. I think I was working at Timber Music at the time. I had a little radio next to my desk, so I was listening to what was going on. Unfortunately, I was in a store that had hi-fi and TV equipment. So when I'd hear something <laughs> on the radio that I wanted to go and see, I'd run, I'd run next door into the hi-fi room to watch it on, <laughs> on the big screen. Because everyone at work knew that they had to have Channel 7 on at yeah. the time so I can run in well, there. Yeah. 
And um, then the second week is when I got to go down and by then the athletics had started. Because <coughs> you love you love your athletics. I do. I do yeah. love athletics very much. You know, um, you know, going different sporting events, that's what I go to, you, you know, what it was like at the Commonwealth Games there, going to every session and mm. in Melbourne and uh, here on the Gold Coast. But um, yeah, going to so going back to going to Sydney. So I think it was it must have been the Saturday morning. I think because athletics starts on about day seven or day eight usually. Yeah, I think the it overlaps with swimming by about two off days. On the Friday, I yeah. want to say. Yeah, well, no, it might, might have been the Saturday. No, Friday you know or what? Saturday. It was the Saturday because that was the very first session. Yes, I think. Yep. Um, and because it kicked off in the morning I, that's right I do remember because it started off in the morning with the women's heptathlon mm-hmm. so dad and I had the m- oh, huge early flight I think we got dropped at the airport like four o'clock in the morning <laughs> to fly down to Sydney to because our first set of tickets were for the first athletic okay. session in the stadium so been ages since I've been to Sydney too so we flew in and of course we had all our luggage with us we couldn't check into our hotel yet or as it turned out, our, the backpackers we were staying because there was no hotels or backpackers yeah. anywhere. You know, getting those back in the day where the travel agents had to book stuff for you. You couldn't jump online no. and book your own hotel. Nope. So we had, you know, the travel agents booking our hotels and I think she found us a, a backpacker somewhere out near Bondi, I think it was. Okay. Because um, we weren't far from the um, beach, beach volleyball. volleyball stadium. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, so flying down on the Saturday morning, got there course catching the train out to the olympic stadium getting there and getting off the train and through the station seeing this giant monolith like right in front of you which was the olympic stadium which i'd seen on the tv and whatnot, yeah. all that week you know and like you know just what, like what? i've i've been to sydney like a couple of times um and i've been the last two years um mutual friend of ours uh, maddie and i go down for a pop culture convention and we've stayed at a hotel directly across from Mm. what was then called Stadium Australia. Mm. Um, and it's been downsized since the Olympics quite yep. significantly. Yep. But it's still huge. Yes. Um, and every time I go there, I know it's nearly 20 years ago, but every time I go there, like I, I've just sort of stood out on the balcony of, of the Saturday morning where they're just kind of like looking at it mm. and mm. like looking across because you can see, you know, all the other venues around the area mm. at the time. And they're still... You know, there's still obviously landmarks there, like the cauldron um, mm. has been refurbished and, and it's there, which I could see from the balcony. Yeah, and um, you've got... Um, like there's big logos, there's, mm. uh, you know, the the um, athletes that were on Centrepoint Tower, they're mm. around the Olympic grounds. Mm. Like, And you've still got the, um, the Sydney Tennis Centre is there where the Olympic mm-hmm. tennis was held. Mm-hmm. The hockey um, field is still there, the warm-up track yeah. is still on that, and that's still used to this mm. day it was for athletics used, uh, meets. for an athletics yes. carnival when I was yeah. there for yeah. like a, a school. Mm, mm. But I still just get this feeling of like, I know it's 20 years on, but I still get this feeling of just being like, wow, like this is where it actually happened. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that to people listening, that's probably not going to sound stupid, but I know a lot to a lot of people it would. Yeah, but yeah, well, I, for me it was like you know I said like yeah, so walking out of the train station, and going, seeing, oh I my god, imagine. there it is, and I'm going, I'm going to be inside you very soon. <laughs> that's not a euphemism. <laughs> no, I'm talking of the stadium, yeah, of, of course. course. <laughs> um, and then, but the worst thing was dragging our luggage along with this because we didn't, as I said, we didn't get the chance to check in, but you know, that was the least of our worries. So where did you, what did you do with that? Like, was there like a cloak room or? No, there wasn't. And so we had to like drag our suitcases up. Was it when we finally worked out where our tickets were, they Mm. were right up the top. 
So you had to take your bags in the stadium with you. Yeah. Like I'm amazed you're all... Again, it's pre, pre-9-11. Yeah, look, it's pre-9-11. It's pre, you know, what happened. Um, like, yeah, um, the securities, you know, wasn't that intense like you would get now. Um, but you So know, the having, security at the Com Games that we went to last year was significantly more than what it was for the Olympics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, we were, we were allowed hey. to take a, uh, a tin of mints into... Yeah. Uh, into uh, the stadium, <laughs> not have it taken off us. Yeah, and bottles with water in it. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, and so and I think by then we were just about to. The session was just about to start, so we mm. made it in time by maybe about two minutes. Sat down on our seats in the blazing hot sun, mm. and uh, for anyone who knows, I'm have very fair skin. Yeah, you're a ranger. I'm a ranger. <laughs> I have very fair skin, and I didn't really get a chance to apply any sunscreen, so. Sitting there roasting away. So in were the you hot in the the top like open end? Yes, the top part. open end. Yep. So the opposite end to where the flame was. was that was going to yep. be my next question. Yeah. So <laughs> the opposite end with flame. So yeah, kind of around where the first bend is. Um, after the finish line mm-hmm. for the hundred meters. So down that end is um where they would have the nets for like the discus and oh, the okay. hammer throw as well. Um, yeah. So the first event to kick off was the women's heptathlon. Um, also to that day, which I think that they have changed where they put it now but the women's marathon was also on that day okay. and that finished in the stadium in the blazing hot sun as well Fair enough. were you there for the night um no we just had the day session that yeah that day. was when the the hundred meters was on that's I'm pretty right. sure they yes. had it the opening night yeah that's back then, right women's and men's and we that's won't right. go into the women's gold medalist. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's uh down in history now yeah um uh don't yet, take drugs, kids. That's exactly right, because <laughs> you're going to get caught. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the men, the heats of the men's 400 metres was on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the qualifying for the men's shot put was on as well. So sitting up in the stand, you've got all these different events going on at the same time. And obviously that was my f- you know, one of the first yeah. big multi-sport events at the same time. So you didn't, re- you know, where do you look all the time and the announcement coming on and then about an hour and a bit into the session, that's when they announced, you know, that the marathoners were starting to become into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was quite exciting watch them all, all coming in there. Um, and, you know, the different names of all the African <laughs> women that are coming in, like unpronounceable names and like going, and, you know, we had our little daily program. So you're watching yeah. the timetable and the events. And, and again, um, you couldn't just rip out your phone and like Google. No, that's like right. <laughs> that's right. You had to rely on the programs that, w- that they had like, yeah. issue. Um, no, I've, I've still got those at home in one of my drawers. They're a very treasured You'd better. thing. You'd yeah. better. Yeah, absolutely. Very treasured thing. Looking, you know, back looking at all those names of those athletes from mm. 2000 and, and now, whatnot. I know we, we'll go really in-depth in a future episode on Sydney, I think, because it's coming up in under a month now to the 19th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But you were there the night Cathy won yes. the 400. Which was completely untimed. When we were getting our tickets in the ticket drawer in the pool, mm-hmm. that just happened to be the night that the four hundred women's 400-metre final was on. Kind of not knowing way back then because it was a year out that you had to buy your tickets. Yeah, that that would be the possibility of Kathy being there. Yep. Mm. And yeah, and that was obviously that was a fluke, probably for Australia. In if you ask someone in general what the biggest moment of the Sydney Olympics was, they'd probably mm. say Kathy Freeman winning the four hundred. Mm, 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 um, mm. they're not wrong. No, <laughs> it's not my no. favorite event, but we'll no. come to that shortly. No. Um, and and just trying to remember, were you there the day 
Simon Fairweather won gold? Yes, so over you were there the for archery. that one as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, and like you know, people look back, like going mm, archery boring. Well, it's not. Yeah, and you know, and Australia had never won a medal in archery at all. No. I think in Atlanta they came fourth in the men's team, so very close. Mm. I think Simon Fairweather was on that team too, but. Um, that was quite interesting out at Archery Park, which was mm-hmm. like, you know, in the Olympic uh, village, or oh, not the Olympic village, like in the Olympic area. Precinct. But, you know, pre- precinct, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for, yeah. So, you know, that was a couple of days after, I think, because we mm-hmm. had a, went to a whole few different events during yeah. Sydney as well, yeah. And then you decided to get greedy, <laughs> and then you went to Athens. <laughs> yeah. So, give us a, bit of, a little bit of a rundown on that. What was that like? Um, it would have been a very different... Um, it was yeah, very like different, completely experience. different, and you know, traveling on your own, you know, mm. it was like very structured for me. Um, going, going to your event, getting the bus there, traveling to the event, non-English speaking country, non-English speaking country, being on your own. So I was quite, you know, happy to be in my hotel, go there, go to the event, and come home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. One of the things looking at Athens is I was very surprised. I mean, coming from Sydney, mm-hmm. where every event there was no empty seats. No. Like, I'm talking like when Dad and I had a spare day there. So we were going, well, let's go to another event because we were so excited. We'd seen all these sports. Mm-hmm. Let's go to another event. We lined up for one and a half hours outside the ticket box in Olympic Park to be told that all the tickets that were left for any sport mm-hmm. throughout the next day was um sync was the platinum synchronized swimming tickets <laughs> that's all that was left out yeah. of all the ticket events nothing no wrestling no boxing no hockey no tennis nothing yeah. that was all that and was I think left that was the thing with sydney is for people who who aren't australian that might listen to this like australians are very um what's the word not skeptical but yeah like it wasn't all positive in the lead up to the Sydney Olympics mm, and there was mm. a lot of doubters. Yeah, that's um, true. It, and it, it sort of started to change really when the torch landed in Australia yep. and the torch relay started going around the country. You could feel a change in, in people's attitudes. Mm. Um, because they were all big community events too. Yeah. You know, free community events. Mm. And, people and going, I think oh, that's when people started out. to realise, hang on, this is, this is actually something special. Like... Mm. I may never live to see this again. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and and then when the game started and people had been watching it on TV for a couple of days, there was a lot of people traveling from all over the country going, oh, man, let's let's go be a part of it. I don't mm. care what we Olympic get to, let's just go. Australia, yeah, it yeah. really did. So that doesn't surprise me yeah, at all. And, and that that's what it was like in Sydney there that particular day. I mean, like I said, we had this dad and I had this spare day where we – we're saying we'll probably just have to sit around the hotel and just watch it on TV. But we're going, let's go and get some more tickets for other events. But honestly, that's all that that's all that we were left. We tried to sweet talk the lady in the ticket booth and that's all she could find for us was mm-hmm. platinum synchronized swimming tickets. And they were like two hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. And you know, in two thousand that was $2, expensive. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's expensive. And you now, know, I'd saved up all my pocket money for years <laughs> and years and, you know, working yeah. as well part time to all this money on these Olympic tickets and you know, the airfare and the accommodation. So it's like, oh and you know, I probably didn't really know too much about no. and it's called artistic swimming now. Okay. It's no it's no longer Jeez, I, I didn't realise Yeah, that. it's called artistic swimming now. Well there you go. Yep. Yep. 
um, and the formats have been changed a little bit as well. Hmm. Um, of by which Australia has qualified a women's team oh, nice. to Tokyo in the artistic swimming. They did that at the last World Championships. Fair enough. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, it's artistic swimming. So that's all that was left. Was I, and so, uh, but that's the thing. This fever had hit where, you know, being in Athens, like in all these empty stadiums, mm. like, and, you know, like watching um, a tennis match on TV. Um, well, actually, I think I remember I was watching um, Alicia Mollick. She won bronze in the women's singles and mm-hmm. she beat um, Anastasia Moschino, who was the reigning French Open champion at the time. And there was virtually no one in the stadium mm. and that's that's the thing where i think really in the last maybe eight or so years i think the ioc have really well, i mean they are they've changed the way that they do things mm. and i mean i get i get the significance of the olympics going back to greece and athens and stuff but that's crippled mm. that country it has yeah and you know they've built all these venues mm. that they're not going to get used again. That's well. That's right. I mean, and they haven't been. They haven't been used again. Like the tennis center is in ruins. Like it hasn't been used since the Olympics. No. And I think maybe I could be wrong. I think like their Whitewater Stadium that they purposely built for mm. the slalom. I think that's empty. Has been empty. You know, the water mm. drain for a long time and never used again as well. Like it's, and I think that's why, and particularly after the troubles with Rio as well. Um, which Rio was was great to watch, but I know it wasn't that great to be there for. Mm, mm. Like, it wasn't safe. No. <laughs> um, so I think they've really learnt their lesson in the last eight to ten years where you're finding that they're only really starting to give these the events to countries that they know will be able to, to do it without having to spend the billions upon billions mm, that it used to cost. Mm, mm. And, and countries that will be able to sustain... Yeah, that's sustainable you know, the Olympics. Well, and, that's right. And yeah. the, um, using existing, the venues. Yeah, yeah. existing venues and upgrading them, but then doing so they can be downgraded mm. again, but continue to be used. And again. I think I think the first real <laughs> change that I saw was when they awarded the um, twenty twenty two Winter Olympics to Beijing. Mm. You know, a, a country that with I think it's something like oh, this is going back a few years since it was announced, but like most of it's going to be man-made snow. Yes, that's um, right. I think that's right, yeah. And, and you know, it, as opposed to a country where they could have actually done it with natural snow, mm. but it was in, was it Kazakhstan? Yeah. I'm sure it was. Yeah. And at the time, I was just like, no, it should have gone to Kazakhstan. Mm. Like, you know, yeah, Beijing have just had a summer at games. Like, mm. that's ridiculous. Mm. But then when you stand back and look at it, it's like, yeah, but they're going to be able to, yes. to do it cheaper yeah. and it may you know it's not mm. going to cripple china that's right and you know any lessons they learn from beijing where they might have made you know any errors or mistakes they yeah. won't make them for, for this no one. So especially with the olympics we live in with them being sustainable and mm. so much more spotlight on how much it costs to yeah. run the event and you know what happens to the venues after mm. after the games are finished yeah which is we'll touch on it very briefly now but I, this is again this is going to be a future episode but I mentioned it before, like, the, the talk at the moment is it's looking like Brisbane, where we live, may very well get the 2032 Olympics. Mm. Um, and it could be announced as early as 2021 mm. um, or even next year, mm. I think, uh, potentially after Tokyo. Mm. Um, because it used to be a case of, 
you'd have seven years. Mm. You know, you'd find out, like in say in Sydney, you found out in '93 the games were in 2000. Whereas now we saw the change as well with um, Paris and Los Angeles being awarded at the Los same Angeles time. Los Angeles had mm. have is it how long did they have? Twelve years mm. or something? Or mm. um, no, was it when were they announced? That was twenty. Was it seventeen? Two years ago. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it was. so they had. Yeah. You know, they had seven, eight, nine, ten. They had eleven years hmm. to prepare for it, hmm. and um, that's what I think the Olympic, the IOC is doing now is they potentially can award two Olympics at the and same time. And that was time. the thing because so if Brisbane misses out on twenty thirty two, maybe because they might get the next London, one. Not London, Paris, and Los Angeles were both, both going for twenty twenty four. Yeah, and that was the first time they'd ever awarded and they, two cities. And the then the time, other yeah. cities dropped out and it was just the two. Mm. So they all went into a meeting. It's mm. like, well look, you take twenty twenty four, we'll take twenty twenty eight. And mm. it happened. Mm. And it makes sense. Mm. And, you know, there's a real possibility because you and I have listened to um, you know, the, the Tokyo Unleashed podcast mm. Um, mm. that had the AOC president John Coates on there. Mm. We've listened to the um, Ready Set Tokyo podcast. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, that again had, uh, who was it? Was an AOC delegate? Who was, was it John Coates again? John Coates was, I think, on the first Yeah, episode, I can't remember it, which, yeah. anyway. But they've both talked about Brisbane 2032 a lot. And it. I don't want to say it's a done deal, but mm. gee, it sounds like <laughs> it's sounding really positive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the John Coates said that the only other countries really putting their hand up at the moment were... Indonesia for Jakarta mm. and um, I can't remember which city in um, India. And I don't know. I just, they're countries that don't have the infrastructure. Yeah. I think especially in yeah Indonesia, I think it would be very hard for them to host mm. an Olympic Games of this magnitude considering all the sports mm. that are on there and... Um, or the venues they would probably have to build. And again, I, I don't want to dive in too much now because we will future episode. And this so is we could probably do two or three episodes about Brisbane. This, well, this is actually something that, that, to be perfectly honest, is what spurred me on with this podcast to begin with. I was thinking about, I was driving up to my hometown, which is about 90 minutes away from here. I was by myself and um, I'd just been listening. I'd been binge listening to um, Reset Tokyo, catching up on, I think it was four episodes I had out at the time. And uh, I was thinking a lot about Brisbane 2032, like what venues we've already got, where things could be. I've done like, that in my mind as well. And that's well. the thing. And I was <laughs> like, gee, I'd love to sit down with Trent and like really hash this out, like pen to paper, mm. like write down and sort of, you know, kind of plan in our minds mm. what it could be. Mm. And then I was like, geez, that'd be fun to record as a podcast. Mm. But I'm like, mm. that wouldn't really fit in with my pop culture show. Mm. And then that's where it's like, oh, well, maybe we could do this. Oh, it could be this. Oh, mm. and then here mm. we are, mm. like here we three are. weeks later, yeah, we're actually recording right. the first that's episode. Right. That's right. So, yeah, Brisbane 2032 is, it, it sounds positive. I'd be very surprised at Good this Good thing stage. it'll be in our time zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I have to remain friends. Well, that's. As, I was actually, I was about <laughs> to say that to you right then, but you Jamie said, you do realise you have to stay friends with yeah. me until 2032. And I mean, look, I'll probably have kids at that stage. You will. Else, but, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Olympics will still be my priority. That's right. But uh, just, yeah. for, just for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, uh, Jess can take them to a couple of events. Yeah. But I, I, I've said, in, in all honesty, and if we, if we do get it, and it is 12 years out, like I know this is pie in the sky type stuff, but 
I would gladly apply for a job in the organising committee, mm. something in the office. Mm. I wouldn't care what it was, but uh, it could be the toilet cleaner yeah. for all <laughs> yes. I care. Yeah, yeah. But to have a job with the organising committee, to even in the smallest way be play involved. some por- mm. some sort of part mm. in Brisbane hosting the games mm. would mean the world to mm. me. And mm. I mean, given that it would potentially be a 12-year lead-up, mm. That's twelve years of full time employment, or yes. hopefully full time employment. That's right. Like you know, but it's something I'd seriously look at. Yeah, but you have to make sure you're on leave then for the two weeks that they're well, here. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd need to have the the two weeks of the game. Don't get a job where you'll be off. No, doing something. I'll while quit that's the day on. before the yes. opening ceremony. <laughs> 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 but no, like that. That again, I know this is pie in the sky stuff, and it probably won't happen. But that, you know. Mm. You, yeah, never know. you know. You know. You never know. Because everyone's like, would you, you know? Would you volunteer? And I'm like, well. Maybe, maybe. But Look, I'd also, and that, you know, I'd also that really, really want to be a spectator. Volun- volunteering, I can, you know, you know, be a part of it, get involved. But also with volunteering, you don't know. You probably won't know where you're going to end no, up. That's the thing. You could be doing anything. You could, you could be, you know, ushering at a train station, and mm. you know, you know, you know, might feel pride in doing that. But it's not the thing, the same as being a spectator. No. And and that's the thing. I I am curious to know. Again, this is something I've never looked into. <clears throat> Pun me, but you know, if you're a volunteer, do you do you have to volunteer for the whole two weeks? Mm. Can you go, hey, look, I want to volunteer from this date to this date mm. because the rest of the time I'm going to be going to events, mm. or mm. you know, I've been to all the events, all the events I'm going to are in the first week, the second week, I'll volunteer. You know, I mm. want to be a volunteer for these dates. Mm. Don't know how it works, mm. but you know, mm. these are all things that that mm. the future will. Mm. Maybe some previous volunteers, if they're listening, could yeah. uh, give us some feedback well, on Facebook. Well, our mutual friend, Abe, who we used to oh, work with, right. he, he volunteered at the Commonwealth Games that's last right. year and yep. he loved it, raved yep. about it. And he yep. was he was at the volleyball and went to a heap mm. of events mm. as well. Mm. So mm. clearly it's doable, but, mm. you know, we'll see. So let's sort of wrap up this this episode now with, we'll talk about our top three Olympic medal moments. <sighs> Now, do you want to go from three to one, or do you want to do in any particular order? Um, oh, what about we we each think uh, we each do one? Okay, we'll do one at a time. So yeah, I'll do, but one do you want to do three to one? Let's do three to one then. Okay. Yeah. So my third is, I really couldn't get a struck match between the two, so I'm kind of going to cheat and give two <laughs> <laughs> because I really and this is like oh, I said that's before, not fair. I could have had a third and a fourth. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it depends on the day. Yes, that's true. Well, if you ask me, and. The first one would be, um, you mentioned the beach volleyball stadium at Bondi before, mm. um, watching um, Podhast and Cook yeah, take the gold. Yes. Um, Which we could hear. I couldn't see it, but I could definitely hear it. I could hear the crowds. Mm. Yep. I remember sitting, because I was on holidays at the Sunshine Coast at the time, because mm. school holidays were on. Um, and I, I watched it on the, the TV in my unit, as I did all events for the Sydney Games, but... Just I remember just being so excited and on the edge of my seat. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think I'd ever watched a beach volleyball game before, mm. which would probably be mm. for most Australian spectators, mm. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a sport you can pick up really quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the rules are very easy to mm. follow. Yeah, and don't forget they won bronze in Atlanta mm. as well. And that's probably when Australian goes, what's beach volleyball? Yeah, and I, 
I just remember loving it and mm. and the crowd's reaction and their reaction and you know because I think the, the Brazilians that they played were the world champions yeah. and they were the number one seeds mm-hmm. I'm sure and they were expected to win the gold medal yeah um so there's that one and then there's also another one from our our um, opening music is Stephen Bradbury oh yes I mean I know it's a bit of a joke. And it's, t- you know, it's turned into a colloquialism here. Like, oh, you've done a Bradbury. Mm. You know, like everyone's fallen but, over. Yeah. That's the only reason you've won. But, but I mean... But always remember, if you're in the final, that means you have a chance. Yeah. Like when, even if you're the only the eighth qualifier or whatever, however many are in there. And that's the thing with you're in the final, short track you have speed a chance. skating, mm. staying back, hoping for a crash is a genuine tactic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just so and happened... it worked out, didn't it? Yeah. That it, that it worked out. And I mean, again, yeah, I know it's a bit of a joke and, and people laugh about it. And rightfully so. I mean, even Stephen has laughed about it, you know, in mm. how, what it was like 19 years ago almost. Mm-hmm. 17 years ago. Mm. Um, but I mean, that was our first ever gold medal at a Winter Olympics. Mm. So... Yes. yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a big deal. It is a big and, deal. And, you yeah. know, talking about games like... That's the, when probably... You know, people took Australia a little bit serious, mm. more serious when it comes to winter sports. And that's the thing with, with Salt Lake as well, talking about like her first Olympic experiences and stuff. Salt Lake was my first real introduction to the Winter Olympics mm-hmm. because I, I could be wrong, but from memory, I can never remember because, again, this was so close. It was the first Olympics after Sydney mm. where Australia was still kind of, you know, in Olympic fever mode or it was just coming off of it. Mm. Um where they really showed a lot of stuff. Like Channel mm. 7 dedicated a lot of hours to That's the Salt right. Lake Games. And That's I can't right. remember Nagano or Lilyhammer being like that. No, no. I think they probably would have been seen as maybe, you know, niche viewing, TV viewing. So, you know, buried at 11, you would have had maybe had some live coverage from 11 p.m. Mm. to 4 a.m. here in Australia and that would have been it. There wouldn't have been anything else on it. Yeah. This would have been it regular programming during the day. Like yep. it was the summer games. Mm, mm. Um, and I can even remember, because again, it was 2002, so it was internet days, but it wasn't what the internet is now. Mm. I can remember Channel 7 delaying the coverage of the opening ceremony. Um, so it was like they showed it on the Saturday night here in Australia and it wasn't live. Mm. But they put it on prime time prime on the time, Saturday yeah. night because I think it was like in the early hours of Saturday morning mm, live. Mm. But they delayed it, mm. didn't report anything on it, so it was like it hadn't happened. Mm, mm. Um, and that that's how they showed it. And that's kind of how they showed a lot of the events too, mm, actually, mm. Uh, which was great. But yeah, Stephen, Stephen Bradbury getting Australia's first gold, that's tied for my third spot. Mm, so what's mm. your number three? Um, I could have... I honestly said I could have a top, <laughs> top 30. Thinking about it, you know... I like watching Olympic sports that aren't out in the mainstream. Everyone thinks Mm -hmm. swimming or athletics or something like that. I like watching those second tier sports that, you know, where Australia might not be known on the world stage, but, you know, we've got a team or an athlete in there and give it a go. So what was, I think I'll stick in there. I said, it was actually ended up being Australia's first medal in Rio um, and I think it was the very first day of the Olympics. And the night before I watched it was actually the men's team archery. Because mm-hmm. I said we'd won a gold and a bronze in men's individual, but never a team. And the men's team came forth in Atlanta. So um, I had a look at the qualifying and the ranking round. And um, Australia had to beat 
a couple of very good teams to get through. Mm-hmm. They beat the French team, which were very high ranking, and um, one of their team members won this individual silver in Rio. And then they got to the semifinals where, unfortunately, they played Korea, mm. which is very hard to beat yeah. Korea in archery, and made it to the bronze medal match, which, fortunately, Australia and Ch- in Channel 7 got to stream live mm-hmm. um, and sat there and watched the match. They played China, um, which was a really high-ranking team as well, and just watching their concentration and dedication, uh, the archers, you know, no emotions, just full dedication, and then... Um, it came time for like the last few arrows and Australia probably had a lead that China wouldn't be able to manage and they ended up winning the bronze medal, which I thought was really good, you know, for Australia's first medal of the Games to come from archery, mm-hmm. whereas there's probably so many Australians that were seen like never seen an archery match in their whole entire life. Mm. Except and Simon Fairweather. Well, Simon <laughs> Fairweather's probably, he probably, he's definitely seen an archery match, but you know, how unique that that was our first medal yeah. of the Games. And that was, you know, the next medals came from swimming that night. Mm-hmm. But that was our first medal of the Games. And I remember watching it live and the excitement of going, oh, wow, we could get a medal in a sport that, you know, yeah. might not have ever been on the radar of mm-hmm. medal predictions or anything like that. But it's coming from those sports where, you know, don't get the, the big massive recognition or the TV coverage. Mm that they did and uh so i really remember watching and i like you know i like backing an australian team like that that maybe came in as a rank outsider but you know ended up become you know being third in the world at that particular time awesome yeah well my number two um we're going to atlanta and people say the melbourne cup is the race that stops a nation (laughs) here in australia i can't recall you know, this is obviously, you know, not including anything from the Sydney Olympics like Kathy's run and everything. But t- to that point in my life, mm. um, I was 12. I couldn't remember anything that sort of brought the country to a standstill as Kieran Perkins 1500 <laughs> meter final in Atlanta. I think I because knew where that you were going with that. I And it was such a story as well because he was our hero. Like mm. he was a god in Australia mm. after that 1500 metre vic- victory in Barcelona. That's right, yeah. You know, backed it up at the World Championships, mm-hmm. backed it up in Victoria at the Commonwealth Games. But then leading into the, Atlant- like the Atlanta Games, he was lucky to even qualify for the team. Yeah, well, that's right. He was a l- quite out of form at that particular time. Yeah. And, you know... You know, there's the press were going, hmm, what's going on here? And I can remember um, any Australian who listens to this will know what I'm talking about, but there used to be a show in Australia um, on a Saturday night called Hey Hey It's Saturday. Saturday yep. Big variety show, mm-hmm. hugely popular. Um, I remember them cutting... An, an 80s and 90s institution, so yeah. to speak. I remember them cutting live from Hey Hey It's Saturday to show Kieran Perkins' qualifying race. Mm, which was show, on another network. Yeah, they didn't show any of the... It was the, a completely different yeah. rival, big rival network, yeah. And, like, that's how big a deal mm. this was for Australia. Mm. And he made it, thankfully. He um, only, remember, he only just snuck into lane eight. Yeah, and then he by only a made couple it the of fi- s- He was lucky to make it in the final. Well, that's what I mean. He got into the final... Mm. In lane eight, and I think he only made it by a couple of seconds. If he'd been a couple of seconds slower, he would have finished yeah. ninth at those Olympics. So, yeah. and I remember with the time difference and everything, it was a Saturday morning. It was, yeah. I remember I was at work. And yeah. I I lived like maybe a three, four minute ride on my little old BMX bike um, from a, a 
little local shopping center, like the Newtown shops, and there was a, a news agency there. And this goes to show it was the 90s. Hmm. And they knew me and my family because we live so close. I could go and get my dad's lotto ticket mm-hmm. <laughs> every Saturday. Mm-hmm. I was 12. I wasn't 18. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was able to walk in with dad's registered card and go, registered numbers, please. And mm. they would, dad would have the money, like, give me the money, and I'd get dad's lotto ticket. Mm. <laughs> and I remember going to the news agency that day, and I'd never seen it before. They had a little portable television in the news agency mm. getting mm. ready for Perkins mm. Race. Mm. And we actually live in Toowoomba, where I'm from. Like, my family lives on a main street, so there's always traffic. Mm. And I can remember, like, five or so minutes before the race started, there was no traffic. Mm. Like, everything just stopped. Mm. But of course, there was like you said, there was the drama of he only just made the final. Only yeah, and that you know like, and that would have been a big deal. The favorite if he to had win missed out on was actually yeah. the other Aussie, Daniel mm. Kowalski. Daniel Kowalski, that's right. He um, was in. I'm sure he was in. He was in lane four. Yeah, mm. he was in the center of the pool, mm. and whatever happened between the heat, like the qualifying heat and the final, Perkins led from the start and just didn't stop, and mm. he won by. Body lengths. Yeah. And I, I just think Daniel Kowalski was a bit shell shocked at the end yeah. there. And they he had to sprint for the silver. Mm, that's right. Um, but I just remember that being such a big deal. And and I can still remember the commentary like, you know, this is rare gold, the best kind of gold. gold. And like yeah. whoever was else in the commentary box, like, you are a superstar here in Perkins. Perkins. Like and the way he got out of the pool, and I remember he went. And like hugged his wife. Well, ran up ran into, up the, into stands the stands to see Samantha. She had that Australian flag cap yeah. on, I remember. And and like hugging the wife and, and, and everything. And it was just such a big deal because 24 hours prior, he was done. Yes, that's It was right. just, he was not going to win that race. Yeah, and of course, all the Australian media and press were like going, oh, what's wrong with Perkins? Like, mm-hmm. And then they switched their focus. Oh, well, we'll rely on Daniel Kowalski to bring home yeah. the gold then. And that, that was just such a special race. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, it's one that I'll yeah. never forget watching. That's right, I do remember it was, watching It was that. vindication yeah. for him. Yeah. So was, that was fantastic. Yeah, I do remember watching that too when I was uh, working in the, in the shopping centre and um, Chandler's was just across from where I worked at the time and everyone was gathered outside their window. Uh-huh. May, there might have been 50 people trying to hover through yeah. looking there. I, I do remember watching that one live going, oh, wow. Mm, <laughs> mm, 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 mm. So what's your number two? Um once again, an, another hard choice. Uh, number two, we'll go to London. Yeah. And for me, I think um, watching um, Anne of Mears win the individu- women's individual yep. sprint in London, beating Victoria Pendleton. You know, these Arch nemesis. Arch nemesis. <laughs> her ro- last games, hometown her, hero. Hometown hero. And, you know, um, uh, Great Britain were having a massive time in the velodrome there. Australia was predicted to, you know... You know, top the table, but Great Britain had just blown everyone away with all the world records um, that they'd won and the amount of medals they'd gone there. So, of course, they're thinking, well, here's another another gold medal for us, Victoria Pendleton. Um, you know, a gold medal. And, and Anna Mears had won the silver mm-hmm. in Beijing. So, I think... And if I'm not mistaken, was that around the time she'd had that accident? I think and so. Yeah, and she had the accident where she'd um, uh, done all those damage to her 
to her vertebrae around her neck and she was almost predicted never to be able to ride again or cycle again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which was quite devastating for her and watching what she'd gone through, the rehabilitation, everyone going, you know, will she be able to go? go? And um, she'd uh, started off her meet there winning a bronze in the women's team sprint and then it was time for uh, the women's uh, individual sprint and seeing them lining up together, all the press, the British press, you know, against Anna and, and vice versa. And uh, I think that came down to the three rides. From memory, th- yeah. It was. I think Victoria Pendleton won the first one mm-hmm. and then Anna Mears won the second one. And, of course, it's best of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one started off watching it. And I remember the look on Anna's face. She was so focused one of the most focused athletes i've ever seen she was there to do a job and you know maybe it was a bit of redemption for her mm-hmm. as well um and off she went and about halfway through the race like i was like looking at it going i think she might win here and you know listening to the commentary feel like yeah, <laughs> who is the, the voice of cycling who can never not be the voice of cycling in yeah. australia and i could hear the excitement in his voice and that was heightening mine and then it came down to the the sprint for the finish line and across Anamir's goes and then just the excitement and the joy on her face and she gets her visor and flicks it off into the crowd, another iconic moment and then <laughs> going around and, you know, the joy and the excitement and then you see the, the, the when the tears come, the relief and the, the mm. pressure of, of it and, you know, she became, you know, uh, an Olympic champion in you know in that event that meant the whole lot of world especially what she'd been through mm-hmm. um and you know just taking down the brits a little peg or two considering that they considered that an easy gold medal for them yeah 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 no, they expected it yeah i remember that yeah even though the coverage here in australia for london was shit yeah <laughs> that's we could dedicate a whole <laughs> podcast to the coverage of those london games i could tell you that much okay so my number one moment um, isn't going to surprise you <laughs> at all, <laughs> but uh, it it's the second. Ever since night. I've known you, I've known that this is your number one. It's the the second night of the, well, first night of competition of the Sydney Olympics, um, an event that Australia had never won ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> that America right. had won at every Olympics, yeah, that had the media hype building up to it because an American athlete said they were going to smash Australia like guitars. I was guitars. about to say, does this have something to do with guitars? <laughs> and that is that is the men's 4x100 freestyle relay. Uh, opening night of the Sydney Olympics, Thorpe had just broken the world record um, and won the 400 metres. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there was, there was so much pressure put on this race in the week prior because of Gary Hall's comments when he landed in That's Australia. Right. So they're going to smash the Australians like guitars. Um, and it just... Australia led pretty much... Well, they led virtually the whole race. Mm. Um, and I still think and one of the did greatest... Did Michael Klim Michael break, Klim break the, the world, world record in the, in the first, first leg? leg. That's yeah, right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So it was Michael Klim, um, Chris Weidler, Ashley Callis and Ian Thorpe. Yep. Um, and I don't think I'll ever see a 100-metre swim quite like the last leg of Thorpe and Gary Hall Jr. Mm-hmm. in the water together mm-hmm. because... Gary Hall Jr. jumped in with a bit of a lead. Yes. And was significantly ahead That's right. in that first 50. That's right, he was. Um, and Thorpe just 
being Ian Thorpe because the thing with Thorpe watching him swim, he never looks like he's moving fast. Mm. You know, Hall is like thrashing about in the water like a mm. hundred meter freestyle swimmer does, mm, mm. and Thorpe is just so in smoothly textile, in old textile suits. The well, I mean, even his back then, it wasn't the technology that they turned into no. around two thousand nine, which was just ridiculous. Mm. But anyway, and yeah, and and. The commentary, and it, it's why it's in the opening, <laughs> opening yep, title. Famous is, commentary, I think. Yeah, yeah, is, you know, like Thorpe over Hall, Hall and Thorpe, 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 Thorpe in and front, Hall, Thorpe goes, goes in. <laughs> and then like Australia <laughs> Gee, win. we're Olympic nuts when we can yeah. say the commentary at the exact same guy, time. Who's the guy that screamed out new world record in the com box? Who was uh, that? He, I'm sure he was an ex-swimmer. He was an ex-swimmer. I can't remember who it yeah. was. Because it was it Steve. Who was the main commentator for that? used to call the AFL here. Wasn't it Dennis Cometti? Dennis Cometti, yes. yes. He he was the main caller, but then, yeah. the, the New con- world record. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> Australia has just broken America's stranglehold on this race. Right. You know, the roof is lifting off, off this stadium. stadium. And, like, they jumped out of the water. Like, the Australians And even so our prime pumped. minister was, like, jumping, jumping up, and, up down. and down. And, you know, if, there's, if the prime minister was in an event, then that was something to playing, take on, right? And, like, the song Down Under by Men at Work mm. was blaring. It had a mm-hmm. resurgence during the mm. Sydney Olympics. Um and like they jumped out of the water and they started playing air guitar. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's to right. throw it in the Americans' face. That's right. Michael Klim standing on the the um the the, the the block the block playing the guitar. Yeah. And it was just laughing. It was and just smiling. brilliant. And mm. I every year, um, on the sixteenth of September, um, <laughs> I used to put my sixteen days in September DVD <laughs> on. Now I just go to YouTube. Mm. But I I still watch that event every year and every year, when I was recording the audio for our mm. opener. Mm. Watching, I get chills every mm. single time, and mm. it, it's still, I think it's still my favorite sporting event mm. of all time. Mm. There's been a lot of things that have come close, mm. like you know my my North Queensland Cowboys team winning the grand final in 2015, and mm. oh, you know some of the Commonwealth Games things that I witnessed. You know, mm. like the mm. the women's 400 four by 100 again mm. breaking the world record the first That's night right. that we That's went right. to, yeah, and things like that. Like they're all special moments, but. But nothing quite compares to that men's four by one hundred in mm. Sydney. It was just brilliant, mm. and, and that it's going to take something special to to knock that off my number one position. Yeah, but look, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's that's well and truly cemented in at number one for me. Yeah, uh, knowing you, I think it's going to take something pretty yeah. mighty for that to knock <laughs> that off your number one. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So what's your the well? Now, no pressure. It's going to be the last thing we talk about, so it better be good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess I can go to Sydney. Yep. And getting to see a medal that I got to see live—the one we talked about before—it was the yeah. One, <laughs> yeah. Let's say this is called the one that we talked about before. Yep. Um, and as I said, had not been in a stadium with that atmosphere. Um, Ten thousand people. Yep, that's right. And the night before. It was the day before we'd had athletics as well, and um, it was in the it was a pouring rain. That's when Kathy had her yes. semi final. Yeah, yeah, and, and she's like, in just the normal runners. She's in the normal yep. runners, and it was pouring rain. Like we had rain, like uh, our raincoats on, but it was soaking wet. And I remember, it, you weren't allowed to take umbrellas into the stadium. No, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't at all. And um, we were right down the front like i think the third row back oh, from the shit. from the starters line this is not the wow. 400 meter not yeah, the, the I, oh yeah that's but right yeah but i think we're the third row back um 
And so got to see Kathy run past us. And um, Nova Paris also mm-hmm. made the semifinals there, which was a great achievement for her, mm-hmm. considering four years ago she'd, she'd won a hockey, hockey gold yeah. medal. Yeah. Um, and, and like... She came with the first one to carry the um, Sydney torch on Australian yep. soil too. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, so seeing Kathy run past in the pouring rain, I don't think she looked like she was enjoying it <laughs> much either. <laughs> no. Um, and uh, then the next night, as it turned out, we ended up getting athletics and I'm going to that. Oh, my God, that's like going to be the women's 400 metres. Um, and Kathy's in the finals. So I wonder, and I said, you know, I wonder what that's going to be like. Do you reckon there'll be lots of people there? You know, history well, it has was, it down that there was a lot of people there. There was two races. There's a reason why the official program for the Sydney Olympics had Ian Thorpe and Kathy Freeman on the front. Mm. It was the men's 400 in the pool mm. and the women's 400 on the track. Mm, mm. They were the two that we were always supposed to win. Mm. That's Sport right. doesn't work that way, but that's, that's right. the way it was. The fairy tale right. was already written. That's right. And, you know, you know, once again, you know, thinking of the pressure Kathy was under, mm-hmm. you know, maybe life had got a little bit easier when Perek pulled out of those games. That, but was, she, that was the drama as well, that, yeah. yeah. Remember when Maria Jose, Maria Jose Perec, Perec and she said the Australian out. press were just hounding her and she flew out of Sydney. You know, it'll always be a wonder, won't it, whether she left because she knew that she couldn't beat Kathy or what the real story was. But, you know, you can't... At the end of the day, she wasn't there. She wasn't there. You can't race against someone that wasn't there. So, you no. know, Kathy had another, you know, seven people to beat and all outstanding athletes in them in mm-hmm. themselves. Um, and yeah, so like, you know, getting in the stadium and then it was towards the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess I can add in a bonus medal <laughs> to this because that was the debut Tatiana. of the women's pole vault. Yep. And as it turned out, the qualifying was two days before and um, another Australian athlete, Emma George, was the reigning world champion mm-hmm. and the reigning world record holder. As well, and she'd bombed out in qualifying. She, I think she no hided. So there was all this going, oh, our world champion, world record holder can't make the final. And then they're going, oh, well, who's this this Tatiana woman? And so, you know... Um, it, it, I think it helped too that she was extremely easy on the eyes as well. Well, that's very much with that little <laughs> iconic tattoo on her thigh, yeah. on her chest and everything. And um, uh, so she, while she was going through her event, that was leading up to Kathy's event. So... Mm. Um, if I remember, I think there was only it about... Wasn't Jai Tarima that night as well? Uh, no, he was a couple of... I think he might have been the next night okay. or the night after that. But um, I do remember that um, I think they were getting towards the end of the women's pole vault and um, Kathy's race came on and um, I think they even stopped like the jumping for the women's pole vault so that everyone mm. could watch and focus on that. And... Um, we were kind of like up and back a little bit, but mm-hmm. you could see um, Tatiana kind of watching like yeah. Kathy run around and getting into the excitement of what was going on. And you kind of could see her watching her run past her because mm. they're up the flame end of the stadium mm-hmm. was where it was happening and the finish line being down the other end. Um, and you could kind of see Tatiana going, yeah. <laughs> and um and as it turned out um off Kathy went and it was about the top bend is when she started to you know as Bruce McVeigh you know he, Kathy's lifting yeah yeah um this is where she exploded in Atlanta, Atlanta. <laughs> exactly this is where she exploded and um and then but just uh something that I do remember is 
because back in the day, obviously, no, you know, mobile phones with cameras. So no. it was photographic flashes. cameras, flashes, 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 the whole entire race. Mm-hmm. And sitting up in the stand, we can see flash, 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 flash. And then as Kathy gets closer to the line. This was pre-digital cameras. Yes, too. exactly. It was all film. It was all film. So you had to take a gamble of what photos you got. <laughs> and you couldn't back. zoom that unless nope. you had a really good camera. Nope. You, yeah, yeah. Um, and then just actually about 300 meters ago, that's when it's like... There's no point even talking to anyone because all you could hear is just like yelling and screaming and excitement. Mm. And then over the finish line, she goes in first place and, you know, the roar and the summit. Yeah. What a legend. You know, what a champion. And then Rayleigh Boyle. What a relief. What a relief. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, then, you know, strangers hugging each other and, you know, cheering and hugging and yelling and smiling and um, uh, enjoying it. And then, uh, you know, Kathy doing her victory lap as well with the flags and, you know, she'd had her shoes off, mm-hmm. um, taken the hood off. Um, oh, that suit was just horrible. <laughs> yeah. And a very interesting choice. Yeah, she was the Not only athlete to wear it. Yeah. And it was only for the finals. Final. It was obviously yeah. she got paid by Nike. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> um, and then she'd done that and um, then the women's pole vault resumed and... Um, they went down to the last three athletes, and uh, I think the girl. There was a girl from Iceland got the bronze medal, and then it just left um, Tatiana, Stacy Dragila from yeah. America. Won from it, America, she? she did. Yeah, and it was a battle between those two, and it was quite close. Tatiana just missed on her third failure, mm-hmm. um, and I think yeah. Then I think Stacy did her last successful jump, and she decided to not go again because, you know, the crowd was still quite excited about what they'd just seen, mm. you know, maybe like less than half an hour ago. And then, you know, just leaving the stadium, everyone's excited and yeah. strangers talking to strangers. And, you know, so I know it's an, you know, uh, probably an easy medal pick. Yeah. But the fact but that you were there too yeah, makes it, and, you know, and I got And then you, get, you got the bonus medal. Yes. You yeah, know. Tatiana. Yeah, with Tatiana. You yeah, know, that's right. You know, and in a brand new Olympic event that had never, uh, that they n- we'd never had before. So that yeah. was a bit of a bonus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was sure that was probably going to be your, your number one, but I wasn't 100% certain. Yeah. But uh, look, just, just quickly before I go to, I need to, I mentioned before that, um, you know, we're b- under a year now um, for Tokyo. Um, we're literally right now this time next year the Paralympics will be happening that's in Tokyo right. they we recording this on the 28th so they would have started three days ago that's right yeah so that's exciting as mm. well um, but uh, look we'll we'll leave it there for our first episode mm. we've sort of we could probably record well into the night if we you, could uh, yeah you know you've you've gotten a little snapshot of who we are and, and you know our like I said our Olympic credentials that's for right. lack of a better term so look i I really hope you enjoyed the first episode. Um, this was a lot of fun. I told it was you you'd a, like it. I, yeah, I've never done a podcast before. <laughs> as you can tell, we I did enjoy Trent's it. cherry. Yeah, you certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> but yeah, look, this, this was a lot of fun and this will this will continue. So, you know, we'll we'll come back in a, in a couple of weeks and I think we might focus we might focus on the Sydney Olympics in the yes. next record. Cause there's be a lot there's lots I can talk about. Around the about time that, yeah. of, of the 19th anniversary and, you know, 
We've said if they do something special in Sydney next year for the 20th, we'll, we'll have to go down. Yes. Well, I'm sure exactly. they'll do something out at Homebush for they it. Would, they've got to be, you know, we'll still have to be fr- friends in a year then. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's that. fine. Unless you piss me off, which is likely. Uh, yeah, if, I if know. We know each other. If break yeah. up the friendship, it won't be me. <laughs> <laughs> but look, if, if you enjoyed the show um, and you want to check us out, like obviously our, our main website is um, sittingonourrings.podbean.com. Or you can find us at Twitter at, and this is all capitals, so at S-O-O-R podcast or at Facebook, facebook.com slash S-O-O-R podcast. So yeah, maybe follow us the, there, give us a like. Maybe and, any um, questions yeah, or anything or something, anything on, you want us to talk about. Or, yeah, hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and cover it in, in forthcoming episodes. But that's where we'll leave it for the, the um, inaugural Sitting on Our Rings podcast. Um, on behalf of Trent, I am Brendan. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.